This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Thanks for being with us. Well, on Thursday, I sat in the sentencing hearing for now 46-year-old Raymond Casey. He is the man who entered a guilty plea to the charge of second-degree murder in the murder of 17-year-old Serena Vermeersh, and she was killed in Surrey three years ago. Many questions have been asked about this case, one being why was he allowed out in the first place? Why was he not designated a dangerous offender? Just one of the questions being asked. And to join the conversation, we are now joined by Wally Opal. He's a former BC Attorney General, a former judge, now Senior Counsel with Boughton Law in Vancouver. Wally Opal, thank you so much for being with us. Always good to be with you, Jill. Uh, Many people are outraged by this case, and rightly so, I think, in that even if we go back to when Raymond Casey was released, he served the full 22 years for a violent sexual assault. There was a public warning put out when he was released that he was very likely to reoffend. Why would somebody like this not be designated a dangerous offender and kept be, and be kept behind bars? Well, you're absolutely right. People have, have a right to be offended. So what's happened here is, the real problem here is, he was given a lengthy sentence, and he served every day of that. So beyond that, the legal system really has no hold on the person. Uh, I think you're right that maybe in retrospect, uh, looking back, maybe he should have been declared a dangerous offender back at the time of his sentencing. You cannot um, be declared a dangerous offender unless after the initial conviction, the Crown tells the court, tells a judge that we're going to make an effort to have this person declared a dangerous offender. Now, you can't do it after the fact. It has to be done after the initial conviction. Could it be done then closer to his release? When he was being released in 2013 and it was known that he was a very high risk to reoffend, could it not have been done at that point? No, not at all. Not the way the criminal code is written now. Um, what you're really doing is uh, you're asking... Uh, the court system, the justice system, to revisit a sentence that's already been imposed, and he has complied with all the conditions in that he has served his full time. Now, I I get the problem. I mean, it's it's just terrible what happened. But in the way the law is set out now in the criminal code, there really is no hold that the system has on the person once he has served his full time. Keep in mind here, he didn't even get any parole at all. He applied seven or eight times and was rejected on each occasion. So in, in this province, we do uh, take a lot of dangerous offender proceedings against people. But the dangerous offender proceedings are reserved for the worst of the worst. And probably this guy would qualify. But, um, but what happens is that you need strong psychiatric evidence at the time of the sentencing, uh, so the court can be convinced that this guy can be warehoused because you never really get out once you're declared a dangerous offender. So sometimes the courts are a little reluctant to do that, but we have done a lot of, of uh, dangerous uh, offender proceedings in this province. So it can be done, but it has to be done at the time of the offense 
and at the time of the sentencing. Is that a fault in the law, though? Because here is somebody, like you said, he served the full 22 years, which is a very lengthy sentence when we're talking about a sexual assault, uh, even though this one was an extremely violent one. Uh, but during that sentence is when he he didn't show any signs of rehabilitation. He was involved in violent altercations in prison. Uh, he was cited as still using marijuana and heroin towards the end of the sentence. If somebody during that sentence show, does that and shows no signs of rehabilitation, is it a fault in the law that it can't be looked at at that point? Well, there's no question there is a uh, weakness in the law. I think uh, what may have been done is maybe if he was committing further offenses, in jail. Uh, he could have been tried for those. But I don't think that's the answer. I think the answer really is to look at these things from the front end, and that is at the time the initial sentence was imposed. Keep in mind, this is a 22-year sentence, which is a very, very long sentence. So that's no comfort to the family who suffered a horrific tragedy. But really, as far as the law is concerned now, there really is no legal hold they can have on them. Now, there's a section in the criminal code, Section 810. It's a peace bond section, but it's really not intended for these types of, of uh, situations. And maybe the criminal code can be amended where that section can be extended, where people have overwhelming evidence that this person is going to be dangerous. In this case as well, there there was much criticism during the time that he was released that there was no application made for an electronic monitoring device to be placed on him. And that was a concern, a clearly a legitimate concern of the community, that here's this high-risk offender. How are we assured that he's going to be monitored? People say they saw him in parks, they saw him in the community, and it didn't appear that he was monitored at all. Yeah, well, that's that obviously is a breakdown in the system somewhere where he ought to have been monitored. And I can't, I can't disagree with that. So, I mean, it's, what has taken place here is a horrible, horrible tragedy. A young girl has lost her life, and uh, the, there is a void in the criminal code, and uh, so maybe that, there needs to be some amendments and a change in the law. Uh, we're back in court with the sentencing now. Um, my, I, I'm not assuming, but uh, what I gather from this is the reason that it was a joint submission from Crown and Defense for, for parole eligibility to be set at 17 years instead of the maximum is because he did enter a guilty plea. He put that plea in so the family and such doesn't have to go through uh, the stress and such of a trial. Uh, the lawyer in court did stand up and say, in all likelihood, he's not going to get out again. Uh, but there is still a fear. And the fact that he's 46, he would be in his 60s when he's released. Uh, is that a breakdown in the system as well? Here's a guy no. who's been given a, a life sentence, but could get out again. Well, I don't think we ever have to worry about someone like him, someone like Robert Picton or any of these people ever getting out again. We have to rely on the parole board. And the parole board is made up of citizens from the community, former police chiefs, various other people who are familiar with the system. And I think it's safe to say that, that Casey will never see the light of day again. So, I mean, I know that they've agreed on a 17-year figure for parole ineligibility, but uh, that is a figure, obviously, they've agreed on, but, but I don't think the public needs to be worried about him being released again.
How do you restore the confidence? Because this case in particular has outraged people and and many people saying that this is a, a case of the system failing. How do you restore confidence? And, and well, that's, that, that's a good question. I don't know how you can repair confidence, particularly when it comes to the family who suffered. I, I fully agree with you that um, uh, it is this is a crime that should never, ever have been committed. And this person should never, ever have been released. But, um, and in retrospect, I think we can look back and maybe they should have had him declared a dangerous offender. But I don't know what evidence was available to the Crown at that time, whether the psychiatric evidence was available. Because you need pretty compelling evidence to have someone declared a dangerous offender. These are hard decisions to make, and but the courts make them. And we have warehoused a lot of people already in this province who will probably never, ever get out. Would his youth record have been a factor, or would they have been able to draw from that to, to decide whether or not he was a dangerous offender? Oh, ab- absolutely. Uh, his whole record, regardless of whether he's a youth or an adult, would be relevant. Because it, and there's another thing, you see, it's, human behavior is always difficult to predict. So... I have seen three psychiatrists give evidence in a courtroom giving three different opinions. That's because of the subjective nature of their examinations. So sometimes it's difficult for courts to get concrete evidence, definitive evidence that would make that type of decision. I don't think that happened here. Obviously it didn't, but there are difficulties at times to have someone declared a dangerous offender. I would imagine, too, it's a difficult decision, or maybe difficult's not the right word, but for a judge, because like you said, you are all, you are putting someone away uh, for the rest of their life. This person may never see the light of day, and that, 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 is, uh, that is not something we see every day. Yeah, I've done it, and I can tell you it's not an easy decision to make. And uh, it's, not, it's not easy at all, because you may, at the back of your mind, you may think that you're making a mistake, but you can't. You can't hesitate if there is proof beyond a reasonable doubt that the person is uh, a dangerous offender. You have to do it. And that's the very reason we have the law, isn't it? Absolutely. You have to have the evidence there. And you have to weigh all the evidence. The judges have a very difficult task in assessing these types of applications. It's not easy. Wally, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say that, you know, that's small comfort for the family who suffered this horrific loss. You know, so, you know, our sympathies obviously go out to them, but uh, but it's, it, those are not easy decisions. All right, we'll leave it there. But, Wally, I know your voice isn't at its greatest today, but I appreciate that uh, you were still able to come on the program and talk about this. Thank you so much. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980. CKNW.